0: Thanks for joining the Eventive Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm your host and event mentor, Sarah Brush, event professional for over two decades. My goal for this podcast is to share how events and sponsorships can help you build community, make an impact and grow your business and have lots of fun while doing it. By the way, don't forget to check the episode notes for valuable event resources exclusively for you. I appreciate you spending this time with me. Let's get this party started. Welcome to the Eventive Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, our guest is Jordan Gill. Jordan is a seven-figure business strategist whose mission is for high-achieving business owners to prioritize rest without sacrificing revenue. She's helped over 500 coaches and consultants work with clients only four days a month with VIP days. When she's not spreading the gospel of VIP days, she's working on one of her thousand-piece jigsaw puzzles and traveling the world with her husband and bonus son. She has also been hosting events, so we are going to talk all about that in this interview. Hi, Jordan. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi. I'm so glad to be here, Sarah. It's always fun, like I was telling you, how I get to be on podcasts that I actually listen to, Uh, so I'm really honored to be here.
0: Oh, that's so nice to hear. Because I just reached out to you because I was following you, and then to hear that you listened my podcast, like that was super special. <laughs> so first, I absolutely love your business name, System Save Me. That's just awesome. Everybody knows what you do right away. So, can you share a little bit about your business, and then also, if an entrepreneur could do one thing right now in systems to help their business. What would you say?
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. So, so yeah, I uh, I'm definitely known as a streamlined. Uh, bit neurotic, uh, kind of person. (laughs) And so that is why I got into, you know, what I got into in operations consulting. And so, uh, I did that for gosh, four years in like a VIP day format. And so, um, really enjoyed that. And then everyone got so curious about my VIP days. So then I started teaching folks about VIP days and started down that path. And now I am just so gung ho about collaborations and, understanding that actually how you can build your business in my opinion in the best way is by collaborating with other business owners because it's so much more fun growing together than it is by yourself like just in my own opinion and I do slant a little bit extrovert so I understand uh, if my introverts listening are like no uh, but you know uh, it's it's been a path it's been a journey but all throughout that I've always been very systematic in my my nature uh and whatnot um what was your second question
0: (laughs) yeah well i was gonna say too i'm more i lean way more towards introvert but i love everything about collaboration so i'm totally on board with everything you're talking about and my second question was just you know if a business could do anything with systems what would you recommend
1: oh yes so so i always encourage to do client-facing systems first uh rather Mm. than back-end systems because i think that uh Number one, it helps to win over the clients. It helps to breed confidence with your clients. And all this is like you managing your own time or things like that. Like nobody sees that except for you really. So um, I find that going after like having a calendar link or having your onboarding really clean or things like that are really, really important. And not only delivering great results for the current client, but then getting more clients from people who... Um, are similar to the clients that you already have and delivering with excellence. And so I always go for a good calendar scheduler link, which again may seem really simple, but it's 2023 and somehow not everybody has a calendar link. Uh, so I have to keep saying it. <laughs> and then secondly, <laughs> uh, on top of that, like any sort of like client onboarding. And so how are you inviting people into working with you, with services, with digital products, whatever it is that you do?
0: Yeah, that's so true. Like the calendar might seem so simple, but I don't know what I would do with podcasting without my Calendly link. So it definitely makes a huge difference. And do you have any specific (laughs) platforms that you like to recommend for calendars or for onboarding?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for calendars, honestly, Calendly is really great. Um, I do like Acuity. I think that that's more for people with Teams, uh, and whatnot. I've seen people do it, solopreneur, and I did it when I was solopreneur. But now that Squarespace owns them, it's like kind of become a monstrosity a bit. Uh, and so I would say those are my my top two. I actually use TidyCal now, T I D Y C A L, and it was like a one time purchase on AppSumo for twenty nine bucks. And it's really simple, really streamlined, not fancy at all. So if that's of interest to you um, as well, that's a nice twenty nine dollar one time purchase,
0: which is nice. Yeah, that's good. I'll have to check that out. So on the event side, I know you have an event coming up in September in Dallas. So I want to talk all about that. And also just knowing that how systems are so important and definitely when you're planning an event, they are very important. So can you share about just like the importance and what type of systems you're using with your event planning in this overall, like tell us all about your events.
1: Oh, yes. And again, why I listened to your podcast <laughs> because I was like, Lord have mercy. Uh, And I actually have an events background, but in sports. Um, So Mm. I would put on like, uh, like I work for like the NCAA for March Madness, or I would put on like the national championship games, things like that. And that's a very different type of event than uh, the conference that I'm putting on um, in many, many ways. But I generally speaking, have an idea of like, Okay, how to stay organized and stuff like that. So, this is my first in person event, I would say. I have done retreats, which are pretty much like 20 people and under. And for this event, we're shooting for between 150 and 250 people in person. And then we actually are doing a hybrid event. And so, there's about 800 people online that we're expecting and whatnot. So, we've done six virtual conferences and had between 500 and 800 people online for each one of those for the past That's couple incredible. of years. Yeah, and that was only with three weeks of promo. So we feel pretty confident about that. Um, and my goal for this event is probably different than what most people's is, which is sales. <laughs> uh, yeah. And mine was sales originally you know this was going to be a sale of something I didn't know what uh, because I was pivoting out of done in a day conferences to now having a more broad approach around collaboration connection gathering partnerships things like that and so we made that pivot at the beginning of the year and I was making a lot of other pivots behind the scenes in my business and so I had to be like, okay, well, I'll figure out what I'm going to sell and I'll sell something, right? And then getting closer and closer to the event, I just actually realized like, not only who's coming and who I'm attracting, but what would really fill me up with joy is having an event where it's more established business owners. There's still content involved, but it's way more interactive, way more connection oriented. So that is our goal. And our goal is to again basically create as many connections as possible within the room and online so that's what it's about and obviously getting a ton of media assets for sure as well as some really awesome sponsorships that we've been able to land i, I just i don't i don't need to sell something in the sense of just like again i make money in different ways but i i know that in in person gatherings it is there's there's no faster way that you can make connections. And like I you know, I connect with people all the time online and it's dope and and you know, it's it's I still get there. But I would say that in person it can be instant. like it just there's an energetic exchange that happens that it's just like, okay, we're best friends forever, right? And it's just like, this is what it is.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. yeah, it accelerates everything so much. It accelerates sales, connections, all of that and so planning this, you've done the retreats before. What have been some just, I guess, surprises or things that you were just like, I am never doing that again. And, and then things like you're like, oh, that was perfect. I'm going to keep doing that.
1: Totally. Yeah. So, so far, we'll see about the full debrief. <laughs> um, but up until this point, I think that one of the biggest uh, areas of improvement was like testing out more messaging, because I think at first we weren't super strong with messaging and people were just coming because I said I was doing an event, which I'm very grateful for. And when it comes to opening up to new people, more people, you have to play around with the levels of awareness. And I'm really strong with people who know me and know me well. Uh, And I'm pretty good with people who like introduce me to people. I am not great marketing wise with straight cold people probably because I'm very direct in nature. I'm very, uh, sure of myself, which may sound really strange, but, and that can freak people out a little bit. Uh, at least that's, that's what people have expressed to me is like, yeah, like, you know, if, if people are uncomfortable, it's usually because you're like so sure of yourself and that freaks people out. I'm like, okay. Uh, and so, <laughs> I think
0: it's a great okay. thing. <laughs>
1: yeah I'm good with it like it's totally fine yeah and so knowing that it's like okay I should have tried more angles around messaging to open myself up to more people versus just the people who not we're gonna buy anyway but just like we we already had a relationship and they were excited to come to the event because they've been waiting for me to do an in-person event so I would say that's like a improvement uh that I would do next time also I probably and by probably I mean like 99% probably will not be doing a hybrid event. Not because I don't like the people who are coming virtually or anything like that, but just you have to duplicate everything that you're doing. And so with connections, with collaborations, with interactive, like if it was just an event that was we're talking, we're teaching, I probably would keep it hybrid because it's like, okay, there's not a ton of elements within the room that we're having to accommodate for. But because it is interactive, because it's very connection collaboration oriented, like figuring out changing of tables versus breakout rooms is very different. So I would say, again, if we do this next year, it probably will be an all-in-person event just to streamline and make it much easier. Maybe we would do a, a virtual version of the event, again, separately. But having to accommodate both of those at the same time is is quite a quite a feat. So that's another thing I would probably adjust. Something I definitely will keep is having super aligned sponsors. So I was very adamant about like, I am not just going to sell my soul to whatever companies want to pay me money to have access to my people. And I've never been that way. So I did a survey, uh, which again, I'm probably going to just implement every six months anyway, where I'm asking, okay, like, you know, what's going on in your business right now? Uh, what are you looking to invest in in the next six months? Uh, what was a really great investment that you had and why? Really digging into kind of their psychology and what their next steps are. And that really helped to land sponsors. Like, that was definitely, I, I wouldn't say easy by any means, but just when you like show people a survey literally of your people saying, Hey, I'm looking for a bookkeeper and you go to a bookkeeping company and say, Hey, we want a bookkeeping sponsor. It's like, okay. You know, like it's just (laughs) very obvious.
0: Yeah. That is brilliant. I just talked about that on a recent podcast too. I mean, I don't think a lot of people do that, but that is exactly what you should, you know, what you should do because being able to just like, match make the attendees with the sponsors like that and show them that real data is so important. And I was also going to say hybrid events. When you mention that, I'm like, that is no joke because a lot of people will think, oh, it's fine. You just virtually stream it, but it is like recreating a whole other set of the live events. So that, that is a lot. Um, And what about vendors so you know all the different vendors that you are getting for your event how did you go about finding them and you know any thoughts or tips around that because i think there's a lot of people listening that haven't done their first event yet and it's kind of fun and nice to listen to somebody who's going through that that has some experience
1: Yes, yes so we when it came to venue my um project manager had actually looked at and did all the research on venues for the size that we wanted And the areas that we wanted it in and our first few weren't available on the dates we were looking at, but one, but then they had like a sister company or something or like, it basically was a, it's actually a catering company that has venues, uh, which is a lot of times the opposite, it's usually venues who have catering, right? Yeah. So, and I love that it's like a catering company and then a venue because food is super important to me. And when I surveyed my people, food was super important to them. And I was like that, like, we are going to have, <laughs> you are not, nobody's going to starve because I think that as somebody who has like dietary restrictions from like, for hormonal purposes, for, you know, chronic illness purposes, I starve at a lot of events. And now I don't because I bring my snacks. Right. But that always just sucks you know and it's like i don't want people to feel that way and yes it is more expensive for sure um it is an expense but there's definitely been times where i've like been at an event and even a speaker at an event and i wasn't accommodated for for dinner so i'm sitting there for 4 hours smelling food and not being able to eat and that just like it's like it's just not great <laughs> like, yeah
0: i i can totally relate to that cuz i have a lot of autoimmune Things So I yeah. definitely, like I eat paleo and I'm like, I feel the exact same way as you. So that is so important. And it's so nice that you are thinking about those things because those things make such a difference.
1: Yep. Oh, totally. And then I think from there too, uh, when you go to events, so I went to a different event in Dallas, really liked the photographer reached out to her and said, hey, do you have availability on this date? And she didn't, but she recommended somebody for me that was similar in nature to her and how she operates. And so like I got connected through that as well. So even when you're going to events or participating in events and you really like some aspect, like go and talk to them and like ask them about their availability or if they know someone similar, if they're not in the same location or whatever the case is. Right. So I kept all of my vendors local. So there wasn't any like travel costs or just like additional stuff in that in that way, um, which can be difficult if you're in a smaller city. I'm in Dallas. So, you know, there's a bajillion of everything. So I, I really um, kept it to like my project manager's research. And then also like the events that I'd been to in the area that then could give, you know, uh, pointers or recommend people if they weren't available.
0: Yeah. And do you have an event planner too, or is it your project team that's helping?
1: It's our project team. Yeah. So I think what we'll end up doing is doing like a, a couple weeks out and day of coordinator is probably yeah. what we're going to do. Um, just because all the vendor stuff is pretty like lined up, like, we have all our speaker stuff lined up, like everything is pretty like from a planned perspective, good, but on the day of like, for sure, like, obviously I do not want to be involved because I've, my purpose is, is very different on the days of, um, and so that's probably what we'll do is have somebody on, on site.
0: Yeah, that's such a good idea. And then in terms of pricing, how did you go about figuring out what you wanted to price it? And then also with sponsors, cause I think a lot of people struggle with how do I approach sponsors with. Like, I have no idea what to charge. So how did you do that? Yeah.
1: So I knew that I wanted to establish business owners. So I wanted to put it at a price point, not to price people out, but just to, again, make people think about the purchase that they're having. So I think a lot of people say, oh, you know, charge $97. So that it's a no brainer. That was not my pricing structure at all. I wanted people to think before they purchased. Um, I wanted it to be an intentional purpose for, for people. So So we have, uh, we had early bird tickets that were seven, nine, seven. There were 50 of those. And we had VIP tickets that were 2000 or three. So basically 2000 early bird. And then 3000, what was interesting is VIP sold out faster than (laughs) the early birds. Um, and that was pretty wild. Uh, and I was not expecting that, but we had we had some pretty good perks for our, for our VIPs. So, Uh, so we have those and then we sold out of the early bird 797. So now we're just at the regular 997 price point, uh, and whatnot. So we came up with that pricing again, uh, based on who we wanted in the room. Uh, so again, that purchase, uh, not that it wouldn't be a stretch maybe per se, but it just like, it's not going to make or break the bank. They're not going, they're maybe used to paying a thousand dollars for an event ticket, et cetera, especially we, we are including lunch, um, and it's all in- house. We're including a shuttle to and from the hotel. It's about a seven minute ride. So there's some perks there that they won't have to think about. Um, so that's how we came up with that pricing. And then the sponsorship pricing. So I took a sponsorship program for three months because I wanted to feel really confident about it. And I'd never done it before. I'd done like some podcast sponsors sometimes, but like, it's very different. Um, yeah. So that's so helpful. It was very helpful. It was this guy from Canada and uh he actually does like NASCAR and like concerts and stuff. So it wasn't even like I mean he, there's some event stuff in there, but um he had like a whole calculator and like industry rates and stuff like that. So it was really, really helpful. So I will not even pretend like I know what the heck I'm doing there. The only reason I do is because I got support around it. Um And it's, it's tough too, because again, unless you did did a survey and unless you know what your people want, it's going to be really hard in my personal experience. So having a survey, knowing what people are going to be purchasing and whatnot, like my sponsors and vendors like already are super happy with just the start of the activations and we haven't even actually done that much, but what we have done has been so aligned because it's exactly what my people are looking for. Like, they're just like, oh my gosh, like the event is going to be like, is going to be great because we already are seeing schedules booked out from like pre-promo reels. We're seeing all sorts of stuff. So I am really overjoyed by that because I love, I mean, obviously my event's all about connections and collaborations. So I love getting to share about different people. And I think um, one thing about sponsorships is thinking outside the box. So I hadn't naturally thought about sponsoring our VIP dinner but somebody reached out to me who was a VIP or a VIP ticket person and said, Hey, is anybody sponsoring the VIP dinner? And I was like, no. (laughs) And they're like, well, I kind of want to do this like activity while we're there that can again, get us like really connected and whatever else. So like, can I sponsor the dinner so I can do this like 30 minute activity? And I was like, sure. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. Uh, That is awesome. They're coming to you for sponsorship.
1: (laughs) Totally. Well, again, you know, I think it's, when people see the level at which you play, right? Like I'm, I'm not known for just like doing things a little bit. Like I'm a, I'm going to literally dive deep into the depths (laughs) of whatever it is I do. So I think when people are noticing like the caliber of people that I'm attracting, the types of events that I've been putting on, like I said, I did six virtual events in three years and people would attend those and they were top notch virtual events. They were not just like little things. Right. Um, And so we've, we've always done things at a level of excellence that people recognize and were attracted to and knew that if they were wanting to reach a certain type of online entrepreneur, that getting in front of them, which is my audience would, would be beneficial to their business. So I'm, I'm grateful for that.
0: Yeah. And so important how you were doing so much pre-event already with the sponsors, because knowing that they're going into the event happy and that, and that, you know, that like a lot of people will get sponsors signed up and then they're kind of hands off until they have to have hands on when they get there. And so that's, that's really great that you're doing that. And just for everybody listening, just, it's so important to have pre-event onsite and post-event benefits. So not everything is just that day of like they're getting, you know, exposure and connections before and after the event too. And I was going to yep. ask you what um what did you include in your VIP packages that sold out so quickly?
1: Yeah, so we, uh, so let me think. So we had the two K early birds, and um, people were like intrigued and all of that sort of stuff. You know, we had like the typical like, okay, you get a VIP dinner with the speakers, you get um, you get actually breakfast and lunch, so not just uh lunch like everyone else. It's one of those different things, and then. I went to this, again, event in Dallas where she did an elevated ticket that allowed people to do, like, a short kind of, like, TED Talk on stage. Uh, And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And, like, I totally would have bought that ticket, like, at every event that I went to, which is a lot. Uh, So let me try it. So I announced that we were adding on to the virtual ticket or to the VIP tickets, the ability to do like an eight minute Ted talk and it sold out in 28 minutes. Like it was oh gosh. kind of cray. Uh, <laughs> it kind of caused a frenzy that I wasn't expecting per se. Like it, it's a dope, you know, opportunity obviously, yeah. but I just was like, what's even happening? And then there were like like clients and stuff that were mad that they didn't get first dibs like for this opportunity or like things like that and I was like bro like if I had known that it was going to be wild I don't I mean I don't know what I would have done but uh you know that that was a big deal and so I was like oh let's open up some more slots or whatever because Again, this is a really awesome opportunity. And again, it was me starting to understand I wasn't gonna be selling anything per se. And so getting to elevate the people in the room because everyone in the room is an expert. Getting to elevate more people in the room was gonna be super dope. So we opened up more spots at 3K. Those still sold out, not as quick as 28, whatever it was, 28 minutes. Uh, it was a couple of days, but even still. Um, and so I just was like, okay, this is wild. So, but you know, you think about just the kind of exposure that you can get and the assets. So they're going to get, you know, 4K video, they're going to get photos, they're going to get B-roll of their eight minutes on stage. And for some people, it's their first time on stage ever. Like they've been experts forever, but they haven't actually physically been on a stage. And so that's so exciting for me. Um, And I'm going to love every second of it. And I'm so proud of them. And some people, you know, they've, they've spoken before and they just want to speak again. So I just... It's going to be so beautiful and the types of topics that people are going to be sharing about, it's really like what's on their heart and very values oriented. So I'm just thrilled. So that was a really, really big, and we already are going to have the photos and the video people there. Like it's yeah. all, you know, a, whatever, low hanging fruit per se. So we're not really adding anything to the expense line, um, but it's huge value because I know I spent actually, I did a, uh, what was it? Like a state, like a media kit. Two day VIP weekend sort of thing in New York City, and I paid fifteen thousand dollars for that, and I was not speaking in front of anybody. I didn't get any of that. It just was like for my media kit, some photos, and some B roll, and some whatever. And so I'm like, okay, I'm fifteen yeah. to have that. And again, if I had got to pay three k to actually speak in front of leads and potentially get clients and sales from it, and like have all those assets and stuff, like such a no brainer. And I guess my audience also recognized that, you know.
0: Yeah, that is so huge. And are you going to have those kind of scattered throughout the event, like on the keynote stage? Yep,
1: yep. So awesome. they'll be kind of like little amuse-bouches, I guess, um, between... Uh, I like the that. Key- <laughs> so yeah, so there's like three or four of them in between each of the keynotes, just to kind of break it up, which I think will be good too, instead of just like big block, big block, big block. It's like big block, some like funny feel, funny stories, feel-good stories, whatever. Big keynote funny stories, feel good stories. So I think it'll be a good combo.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So I have one more event question. Um, In terms yeah. of speakers, how did you go about finding your speakers? Um, Did you, you know, have to pay most of them or did you negotiate like a partnership? I know you're all about collaboration. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah.
1: So all of my keynotes, which there are th- three. Yeah. Three keynotes. They are paid and uh also we cover their hotels and then um our we have a one panel and they are it's also paid but their hotels are not included and of course they all get the assets and all of the things Mm -hmm. as well um added onto that and i just put an open call for speakers and Again, because we've done that for our virtual conferences, everyone was expecting the open call. And so everyone you know, really puts their best foot forward and we get really amazing uh, applicants, which I'm really grateful for. And so I kind of let it lead me. I don't say like, okay, I want like a media person, a copywriter and a whatever. Uh, I just kind of am, I feel into it and, and think about who's coming, the types of conversations they're wanting to have and choose my speakers that way. So there was only one speaker who did not apply to be a speaker that I asked myself. Um, but other than that, everybody else had actually applied through my like application process, and I chose them from that.
0: Okay, that's so good. Well, this has been really helpful talking about your event. I mean, you just provided, I think, so much value and ideas for people. I wanted to talk about your Ready, Set, Collab program and really any other like offerings that you have that you want to share about. Yeah. So you have some like- really cool, sorry to interrupt. You have some really cool names for like every program you do. I was just reading and I'm like, this is so fun. Like I just want to work with you just because of the names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I used to be terrible at naming and then I just like, it's a muscle that I've been, um, Yeah, I guess. So, so yeah, Ready, Set, Collab is a collaboration network because I was getting tired of people asking me, Jordan, you collaborate so much. Where do you find all the people to collaborate? And I'm like, listen, everywhere. <laughs> like that's you know, that's a short answer, right? I'm going to events, I'm doing this podcast, they introduce me, you know, somebody's commenting on something. And so I was like, well, why is there not like a like why is there not like a centralized place where people who want to all collaborate can just collaborate? So I was like, well, I guess this is me creating the solution for this. So uh so I put it together and again like we had our initial group was like a Dream One Hundred is what I called them. And, and all 100 like slots sold in like, I think four or five days. Wow. Um, and it was, paid, it was a paid beta, uh, 197, uh, for a month, um, just to kind of test out my methods, test out my frameworks and all that sort of stuff. And so then, um, that was back in April. And so now we, uh, have kept around hundred, whether we like, we've done a couple of launches and so people kind of come in and out. Um, so we've kept it at kind of the sweet spot of hundred ish. And, It feels really good. I love that people are so creative. I love that, like, everyone has permission to just like ask for a collaboration. Like, it's not weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it's like, okay, I gotta like, okay, I gotta like muster this up and I gotta like be ready and I gotta make sure my ask is perfect and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, this is exhausting. I haven't even asked at this point and now I'm tired. So I'm like, no, like, this is very commonplace. Like, if you wanna collaborate with somebody, ask them they're going to be expecting people to ask them about collaborations and it's been so wonderful and my initial goal was like okay everybody can get like two to three collaborations a month I was like this is this is the cadence you can expect that's been blown out the water people are getting like eight nine collaborations a month like it's wild Uh, and I'm like okay now I got to grow the group faster because you guys are running out of people Uh, (laughs) um How problem to have so
0: that's so cool is it but, a membership is it so monthly yeah. membership do you do um like any trainings or things or is it mostly just connections not just that's huge
1: yeah yeah so it's um it is the connections but then it also is I bring in like uh, panels of event hosts and panels of podcasters of mm. you know like pretty decently sized shows um and and events. And so I bring them on because they're looking for guests, they're looking for speakers, they're looking for those things. And so it's, again, an opportunity for um, some really exciting collaborations that people may not have gotten to connect with otherwise. And then uh, I also do some like uh, collab debriefs where I break down, so I'm collaborating all the time. So I'm like, okay, I did this one collaboration and brought in 611 subscribers. You know, this is what I can expect from them. This is the email I sent out. These are the social posts I made here, are the conversion rates around all of that, et cetera, et cetera. So because I want people to understand like how the ROI of collaborations work too, because I think that that kind of gets lost. I know a lot of people who do a lot of collaborations, but they aren't making sales or clients from it. And I I don't want to say I make it from every single collaboration, but at this point I'm very targeted. I'm very strategic in what I say yes to. So pretty much I do make sales and clients from each thing that I do, but I want that to be the norm, right? I want that to be the norm that you are not only building your audience, but also getting sales. And this is a true marketing strategy that you can do and, and you don't have to do anything else. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a combo, but the connections piece is like the main thing and then kind of some ancillary trainings in there.
0: I love that program. I'm going to look into it. That's so interesting. And what system are you running that on?
1: Yeah, so we were in Slack for a while, um, but it just was, I think the fact that Slack is technically like a work environment and what most people go to for work, they were kind of like, "Mm, it's just like, it makes me feel like I'm doing more work. And it's like, yeah, that's true. So we moved it recently from Slack to Circle, actually. Um, We did some research um, on different platforms and things like that. It was between that and School, which I don't know if you've heard of that either, S-K-O-O-L. And it was close between the two, but we uh, went with Circle. And it's cool because when you go in, we're creating an environment where uh, the more collaborations you do, like it shows up in your profile, like how many collabs you've done. And so you can see like who's doing a ton of collabs, obviously very open to it, um, creating some gamification there uh, and whatnot, which again, my people don't necessarily need all of this because they're already like <laughs> being great, but I I want to celebrate it. I want it to be something that is like shown because it's it's really incredible. And so Uh, so yeah, we have it in circle and everything, everything is in there. So there's no separate, like you got to open up another train portal or go to Facebook or anything. And Facebook, I've been kicked off so many times that there's no way I'm going to create a Facebook group. That's just not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) One more systems question. Um, for your event, do you use any systems that are outside of what you usually do for your business? Like a specific like registration system or anything like that?
1: No, we kept it all. Uh, we use HubSpot as our CRM. And then uh, SamCart for our actual checkout. So we, yeah, we use all of that. And actually our virtual version of the event is happening in Circle now um, because we, okay. originally we're going to do it a completely separate software and whatever else, but um, it just was, it was overcomplicating. And I was like, mm, I don't do go overcomplicated. So let's just keep it real, slow, real straightforward and simple. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Jordan, this has been such a fun conversation. Like I'm just like lit up and on fire for just everything that you're doing. Like I just feel inspired to like go to an event right at this moment. Yes, do <laughs> you know? it. It's it's so awesome. So, is there um, anything that you else that you want to share with the listeners? I think that if you're somebody
1: that is like obviously if you're listening to this podcast cuz Sarah obviously talks about events all the time, maybe you haven't <laughs> done that yet. And you're like, oh gosh, like it's a big undertaking and and all of that sort of stuff. There's levels to it. There's levels to this, just like anything else. And so don't feel my first event was not a 250 in-person event with hybrid AVs and all of that stuff, right? It, it It was, it was progress and want to start with an event. There's like nothing wrong with doing like a 20 person workshop or doing, you know, a hundred person virtual conference or whatever the case is like, that's still amazing. And you can still get so much value and connection and sales and all the things from, you know, the first few steps of your event. Um, And so also I also wouldn't judge how well events go for you on your first one.
0: (laughs) yeah <laughs> it's a learning virtual, experience it
1: is, it is like the first virtual conference I did I broke even and so I could have been like well that wasn't fun because I didn't make any money from it and so I'm not going to do it again or I could tweak some things and give it another shot and my second event made $160,000 wow so
0: <laughs> did you make most of that on sponsorship is it sponsorship and like VIP I ticket sales passed. I didn't have any wow.
1: That was based on uh, a nineteen dollar ticket and we didn't have a all access upsell, I don't believe, on that for on that second event. And then which my first event was free, which was part of the problem. Um <laughs> so but it was a small ticket and then I had a uh four thousand dollar group program that I sold at the end of it. Yeah. Awesome. So that's how I made the money, is more on the group program side.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I always talk about. It's like the spot, like the ticket sales, a lot of times will go towards just like your expenses and your budget for it. Sponsorship cool. will bring in that revenue, but it's really like what you're selling at the event or after the event, that's usually going to be that revenue. So, well, I will drop your event details and everything about your program in the episode notes. And just thank you so much for taking the time to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sarah. This was awesome. Hey.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate it that you spent it with me. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love, love if you can rate it five stars and write a review. This helps us get the podcast out to more people. And if you want to connect, I am on Instagram at Eventorbrush and I would love to hear from you. Thanks and have a great day.